0: Hello and welcome to the Breastfeeding Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ann Eglash. This podcast is co-sponsored by the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health, as well as the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. The Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is an international organization of physicians dedicated to the promotion, protection, and support of breastfeeding and human lactation through education and research. Our goal for this podcast series is to help you manage clinical aspects of breastfeeding medicine. We also hope to keep you updated with current research that may impact practice management. Any advice or recommendations in this podcast do not reflect official policies or views of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine.
1: Today I'm talking to Dr. Jennifer Shear. Dr. Shear is a general pediatrician and breastfeeding medicine specialist. She runs the Breastfeeding Medicine Center for Allied Pediatrics, a large pediatric group in New York State. Today we're going to talk about follow-up of breastfeeding babies in the office after hospital discharge. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks uh, for joining me today.
2: Oh, Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So, we're going to talk about babies um, who are breastfeeding who leave the hospital. And I'm not going to talk about formula-fed babies, although formula-fed babies do need close follow-up as well, but the topic is mainly going to focus on breastfeeding. So, we know that breastfeeding babies need close follow-up after hospital discharge. And can you talk about the kinds of things that uh, need to be checked on in babies when they come back to the office and how soon they should come back and why it is so important that they come back soon after they leave the
2: hospital? Sure. Um, So as you said, it is obviously important to follow all babies soon after hospital discharge. But in particular, um, the problems that are specific to breastfed babies are related to poor weight gain and jaundice. And these are really much more common in babies who are breastfed, um, or actually I should say in babies who are not breastfeeding well. And um, that's the main reason why we have to keep a close eye on the breastfed babies.
1: Mm -hmm. And so so typically babies leave the hospital after two days after a vaginal birth and after three to four days after a C-section. So... When do you want to? When do you recommend your patients follow up in the office after they leave the hospital? Who after vaginal delivery?
2: Sure. So we we try to get the babies into our office a day or two after they're discharged from the hospital. The sooner you identify problems with breastfeeding, the sooner you fix them, and the more successful the mom and baby will be.
1: Uh huh. And after a C-section.
2: Whenever they're discharged, the day or two after discharge. Oh, if
1: they have a C-section or a vaginal delivery. Right. Yeah,
2: okay. Right. And so, um, I, you know,
1: I've been a breastfeeding medicine specialist for a long time as well, and when I look at my schedule in the office, sometimes I cringe at <laughs> a family coming in who I know had a lot of breastfeeding problems in the hospital, and I look at the time that's scheduled for that family, and I already start to sweat because I know I'm going to run behind. So how do you manage this in your office? I think this is an issue for many physicians.
2: Yes, it's such a great point. I used to have those same, <laughs> that same anxiety. Right. You know, in a busy traditional practice. Let's be honest. You know, it's much easier and faster to care for a newborn who is formula fed. Yeah. And um, you know, it's easy to assess their intake. There's no need to worry about how the feeding is going. The um, there are very few readmissions because of jaundice or poor weight gain. So there is that sort of sigh of relief when you see a formula fed baby. Right. Schedule. Um, however, when you think about it, this it's really a short-sighted, a short-sighted vision, you know. Because beyond the first few weeks, the formula-fed babies are significantly more trouble to the pediatric practice than the breastfed babies. Um, so, I, like, for, for my practice, what I think I've come to realize is there are three major obstacles in taking care of the babies who are breastfeeding. And um, the time management—the you know, first one is that there's a lack of physician buy-in in supporting breastfeeding. The second is the lack of time, which is what you're talking about, and then the third is a lack of knowledge. Right. Right. So, um, so I would say that you know, if if you kind of want to structure a a practice that can handle the the speed and the maintain your productivity and see breastfeeding babies and successfully see them, you have to overcome all of those obstacles. Um, So, for for instance, if you have the physician buy-in, the physician has to actually believe that breastfeeding benefits the baby in order to invest the time and energy in supporting it. And many, many doctors believe, sure, you know, breast is best, but in the back of their head, they're really thinking that formula is just as good. So, it's... Not really not worth taking that extra time. And it's very quick to turn to formula when you have that philosophy. Uh, When the doctor truly believes, then they make the effort. And um, so I can go into how how, let me see, how my office, you want to hear how my office works in the... Sure, but let's
1: talk a little bit about that issue of doctors having buy-in regarding breastfeeding mm-hmm. because I yeah. think, and maybe you've noticed this too, that physicians are being pushed by their patients. Patients know that breastfeeding is best and they're getting yeah. ready, they're psyching themselves up to have a mm-hmm. good breastfeeding experience. And so mm-hmm. if the physician says, wow, it looks like breastfeeding's not going very well, why don't you just give some formula? I think that some of those physicians are starting to lose patience because patients are not going to are not going to take that.
2: They want You're to. You're absolutely know. right. This is yep. very much a consumer-driven field. Yeah. This is not being led by the doctors. Doctors, <laughs> some of them are going kicking and screaming into this.
1: Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And I ahead. think it's for them. Those physicians have difficulty. Um, knowing how to manage these issues so that if they have a, a ten or fifteen minute follow up for mm-hmm. a new baby who comes in and is yellow and is twelve percent down in weight, and mom is mm-hmm. crying and her nipples are sore, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Now for you and I we can, you know, finagle, but for a physician who doesn't have any knowledge, and let's face it, training is terrible, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that those physicians are overwhelmed and they would rather climb under their desk. Yeah. <laughs> and so um so it's so. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you manage breastfeeding in your practice?
2: Yeah. So I can tell you that, but but first to the point of the physicians buying in and 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 thinking about the model of getting them on board. And I usually make an analogy. I sometimes will give lectures to other doctors, and I I try to drive home the point of well, you know most people don't even know what breastfeeding specialty is. And so I, I make the the analogy that if you take a baby who has poor weight gain, right, you see, you see that newborn who has this poor weight gain, you have to realize that the poor weight gain is not a diagnosis, right? It's right. a symptom. You don't just right. throw formula at it. So so you have to look at that poor weight gain, and the way you would look at the 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 patient with renal failure, right? You have a patient with acute renal failure. You think about the differential. You think about the pre-renal, the renal, the post-renal causes. Right. Similar with weight gain, you're going to think about the way I just described it, the pre-breast, the breast, and the post-breast causes. Right. Very good. Right? So when you have somebody with renal failure, you don't just throw dialysis at them without working up the... Problem. Exactly. Similarly, you don't want to just... Or the, obviously, a baby who's not gaining weight is going to need formula to support the baby, but you have to identify the problem. And it's not the pediatrician's job to figure out the problem. It's the job to identify the problem and then refer. I mean, this is what we do all the time. With a kid with a broken leg, they get sent to the orthopedist. So a baby who's not gaining weight well should be sent to the breastfeeding specialist. Right. And so when you work collaboratively in that sense, you don't need extra time. You identify You need to build in um, the recognition of the problem and and value the breastfeeding enough to make that referral. And then you need to get those people to refer to in your network. Right. I guess the
1: thing is, though, well, and you can talk about what you do because mm-hmm. the issue is having those people there Mm-hmm. Immediately to help that family, right. so, because obviously if you have a baby who's very ill, who's well, mm-hmm. who's very you know low on weight,
2: right. you, you don't
1: want to wait until the next day for a referral.
2: Correct. Yeah. But um, if you can, you know, just like you don't know where your mental health referrals are when you start business the first day, you um, you find out where your resources. You reach out to the lactation consultants in the community and, and find out who can help you. But So what we've done in our practice specifically is that we have um, brought lactation consultants in-house and – what we do is we schedule, we schedule the first newborns are all seen in my office, you know, one to two days after the hospital discharge with the doctor, and then they are automatically given a follow-up weight check visit with the lactation consultant, which will be a couple of days after that. And even if everything seems like it's going well, they get this. It's sort of in the philosophy of pediatrics in general. It's an anticipatory guidance, sort of preventive care visit, where the lactation consultant will answer questions, they pay, spend 30 minutes and they answer questions, they watch a feed, the physician will just kind of oversee that visit and bill based on the time that they are spending with the baby. But the patient, and again, because this is such a consumer-driven field, the patient is feeling so completely supported that um, that, that uh that that goes a long way in sort of publicity, so to speak, for your practice besides the fact that you're, you know, taking great care of the kids. Um, If problems are identified, then you have to get, you know, then you can go out further to get an extended visit. In our practice similar to yours, we're lucky enough to have MD IBCLCs who can take care of them, but you might not be that lucky. and Then you might need to... Right, you know, go a little bit further.
1: Right, right. Which I think in some small towns where, uh, and other, well, even some big cities where there aren't uh, lactation consultants available as easily, I think it, you know, this ends up being a tougher issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it beho- behooves us as physicians to all be trained in lactation since it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, the goal is to have at least 75% of women Initiate lactation, and mm-hmm. if they're initiating, guess what? There's a good chance right. that they might have some problems. Right. And so, so physicians need to know how to manage it. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm in a am in a small town, and um, I don't have a lactation consultant in my in my office. Mm-hmm. And so, as a um, breastfeeding medicine specialist, and as mm-hmm. a family physician. What I try to do with my newborns is schedule them for follow-up after hospitalization either late in the morning my last patient in the morning or my last Mm -hmm. patient in the afternoon so that I can extend that time out because I, I think perhaps you find this too when you have the patient when you have the family come in and see a lactation consultant for half an hour or you have a longer visit those long visits early on really help you later taking care of the family because they have all their questions answered and those visits end up being so much more pleasant later on because mm-hmm. they're not in a quandary right. and having tons of questions later because they seem to have a, a lot of confidence and understanding yeah. as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that we do that I find helpful is um, we try and do as much advanced planning as possible. We do prenatal classes, and we prepare some mothers for knowing what to expect as normal and how to sort of push off uh, well-intentioned but really bad advice that really sets them up to fail. Uh, we have a screening tool that we that we've developed and we use, which is similar to you know, the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression sort of a checklist. Oh, uh huh. So, so the other physicians in my group and the mothers can sort of fill it out, and if they fail the test, it's an automatic call to the lactation consultant or appointment with the lactation consultant.
1: And that's before uh, she delivers.
2: So it has questions related to pre-partum, pre-delivery, and post. So depending on when they get the form, they're, you know, assessing the stools and and medical, you know, high-risk conditions. And I can share it with you. I can email it to you. Interesting. Um, Yeah. You know, conditions that put the mother at risk for low milk supply, you know, because what happens is, the pediatrician, you'll have two types of pediatricians, right? You have the ones, if you take, go back to this baby who ha- who's not gaining weight well, you're going to have the one doctor who just says, you know what, let's just be safe and go supplement. And even if they are without the knowledge that you're talking about, the understanding of the basic physiology of lactation, if they don't give them the advice of how to protect the milk supply with the pumping, they're just making it worse. Right. Right, Right. but then you have the other pediatrician who really wants to be supportive and is going to say just just keep trying, keep trying. Right, it'll get better. But then you're putting that baby at big risk because if you don't watch a feed and don't know what you're doing, then you're setting that baby up to really be in trouble. Right. So um, the education to the doctors and the, uh, we do, we have in services for our staff and the different, you know, the lactation consultants give in services to the medical assistants and nurses around the divisions. That's
1: excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. So um, as you know, in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine on our listserv, we've been having a conversation about the cost of having a lactation consultant in Mm -hmm. the office. Right. for physicians or phys- physician groups. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a bit? Because you wrote something about how to assess what yeah. that cost could be.
2: Sure. So, you know, if any financial decision, you have to figure out how much you're bringing in to figure out what you can afford to pay somebody. You know, if you take a registered nurse and you offer them a job in a hospital, they're going to be making a lot of money. Right. Most private practices really can't afford to pay a registered nurse $50 or $60 an hour. You know, that's how much, practically, doctors make these days. (laughs) Right, for sure. So the way we looked at it is we said, okay, well, if we can bill out a level, you know, we usually bill out level 99213 visits for the baby, for a 30-minute visit with the lactation consultant because the doctor usually comes in and does a level three visit, basically assessing the weight gain and making sure there's no jaundice and the documentation to to justify 99213. You're then doing two 99213s an hour. And then if you know what your payers are giving you and you know your payer mix, you can figure out how much you're going to be bringing in per hour for that lactation consultant. Time. Ideally, you'd love to let the lactation consultant spend an hour and a half with your patients, but then you're never going to make any money. Right. So you can't. You really have to cut them off and then have the patient come back the next day if you haven't been able to address everything. Um, so then once you figure out how much you're bringing in, you can figure out how much of a well, profit you want to make and how much you're willing to pay your lactation consultant.
1: Right, right. So, um, have you thought of, uh, at all about um, phone calls to families at any time, like routine phone calls? I know some yeah. practices do that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. So, we actually do an hour practice. We've instituted, a, we have an 800 number for our practice, and it's like if you want to reach the after-hours center, press 1. If you want to reach the lactation consultant, press 2, that kind of thing. And they're available to take calls to hour, for hour. Mm-hmm. Mothers and babies uh-huh. whenever they have a problem. Yeah.
1: I guess I was thinking about the practice of calling families uh, preemptively before, yes. you know, just in the first couple of days. Now, mm-hmm. for your practice, you're yeah. seeing them that soon. Right. But our hospital in our community actually does that. Yeah.
2: They have
1: a nurse call the family. Mm-hmm.
2: We Yeah, a lot of the hospitals do that, and I think it's a great way, and what we've tried to do at some of our divisions that don't actually have a lactation consultant in-house, is I give them that screening test, and it's, I'll have them, because sometimes the outgoing call, they don't know exactly what to ask or what, and then if they, they fail any of the parameters on the screening test, they're then suggested that they come and get a visit.
1: Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is there anything else that you want to say, Dr. Scherer, about providing breastfeeding services in the office?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think providing breastfeeding services in the office is really such a value-added service for your families that it's worth taking the time and effort to figure out a structure that will work for your practice. Um, It fits beautifully into the medical home, which is where everybody is sort of moving these days. Um, it, it It allows you to provide quality care, bring patient satisfaction. And if you set it up properly, you really can have a very profitable business model as a result of it. So it's really a win-win for everybody. And I strongly recommend all pediatricians and family practitioners and OBs to uh, develop this in their practices.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for talking with me today.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Great. All right. Take care. (laughs) If you have any interest in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine or any questions or comments about this podcast, please email us at abm at b as in boy, f as in frankmed.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.